I approach sustainability as it's this encompassing idea that how do you consider the economics and the ethics and the environment and make the best choices you can. Hey guys, welcome to Active Ingredient, the podcast. I'm your host, Sophie Wheel, and I'll be taking a deep dive into why people do what they do and what it is that drives them. I believe every single person has an active ingredient to them, aka a purpose, and all we have to do is uncover what that is and activate it. I'm looking at people across the board with fancy titles like editors and chiefs, founders and CEOs, to under-the-radar activists who are changing the world one person at a time. I want to get to the bottom of how they first discovered their passion, how they channel their talent consistently, and ultimately, how their active ingredient is making the world a better place. This week's episode is with sustainable stylist and consultant, Cassandra Dittmer. After witnessing firsthand the increasingly negative impacts the fashion industry has had, not only on our environment, but also on its own labor force, Cassandra has made it her mission to align her business practices with her values by leading with transparency, inclusion, and community around the work she takes on. She has also dedicated her career to immersing herself in eco-conscious practices, products, and brands that challenge the way sustainability is defined, and has vowed to always consider three key factors when working with any brand or client, and those are the environment, the economics, and the ethics. Most recently, Cassandra has been styling Melinda Gates on the Moment of Lift book tour, and has worked with several high-profile clients like Laura Dern, B.B. Rexa, Dwayne Johnson, Bradley Cooper, and Donald Glover, among several others throughout her career. On today's episode, we talk about the status of the styling industry as a whole during the pandemic and what her pivot into e-styling has looked like. We get into her career trajectory from working for mega stylist Ilaria Urbanati to starting her own styling business and how she landed the role of a lifetime styling Melinda Gates. We get into the process of building your own portfolio and why building a solid and clear foundation is the most important step in building your own business. So with that, let's get into today's episode with Cassandra Dittmer. Thank you so much for being on the remote podcast from my parents' closet. I'm so happy to be here in my sister's attic. (laughs) I love it. All right. So I don't normally start the podcast with this question, but I feel like I have to for literally anyone because this has obviously affected every single person on earth. Um, How are you doing? Where are you? And how has this whole thing affected your business? So I am, I'm good. I'm stable. (laughs) I have been, so I'm in Dallas and Texas right now with my family and super happy to be quarantining and getting this family time that was not anticipated, but is, but has been very welcomed. And, you know, we were chatting, but I'm in between, I wasn't planning on really being in Dallas. I was here just for a couple of days visiting family and got stuck here on my way to a wedding in Costa Rica. So, and was coming from Utah. So I have ski pants and swimsuits here to wear in Dallas. And that's about it. A little Um, bit of everything. A little bit of everything. I think (laughs) everyone has their, their version of them being uprooted. Mine has definitely been 
physically and, and yeah. emotionally and from a business perspective, um, completely, completely changed. And, and it's, it's good and bad for me. Um, I think the bad is just that is simple is my core business is styling people in campaigns and working with brands in person. You know, my, right. what I actually deliver is a skill set that's in person, you know? So yes, you do. There's other things that you do in other ways that you diversify your business, but really my core business of what I actually get paid to do is in person <laughs> and everything else that I've been growing with my business that might be digital, that kind of touches different landscapes has kind of been my side hustles. And <laughs> what pays me is this in-person, in-person, you know, relationship. And so I think the good to that is that I've really been able to kind of focus on building on building out these other kind of digital components that I was thinking I wouldn't build out for potentially years and was just kind of chipping away at slowly. So being able to take time to really reimagine what it means to style in this landscape, um, it's been fun to do that, but obviously, you know, challenging. And I think it's easy to kind of go down, go down a bunch of different rabbit holes in your own mind and where your future is headed. Um, but yeah, so I think the most, you know, obviously the most obvious way that's affected me is just that how people hire me, I no longer can do that. <laughs> so when did you start feeling it? Like when did you start seeing campaigns either being canceled or getting postponed till October? Like when did you really start feeling the the grunt of it? And then how did you kind of internalize that, process it, and then think about moving digitally? Yeah. So I, I left a full-time contract that ended, um, you know, January 1st of this year. And so I have always been a freelance and a contractor, but I had left like a really full-time position right at the end of last year. And, um, in January and February were kind of was strumming up new, new contracts and new business. And so I was spending most of January and February in, in Europe, I was in Berlin at their fashion week, at Copenhagen at fashion week, you know, working with new brands, new contacts, and those projects in January and February still happened. And it was, but right away, like when I got back to the States in March, it was just nothing, you know, nothing is happening anywhere. Movies aren't coming out, premieres are not happening, press events are not happening. And even the idea, you know, now it almost feels silly a little bit. I'm like, not, of course you kind of don't even want to do it a little bit anymore. Cause you're like, Oh, that just seems so unnecessary. You know, I need to find different ways to support people and different skill sets to really work through because I don't know that this will ever come back in this exact same way. I um, don't think it won't come back in the same way, but I think that you're hitting it on the nail with diversifying in ways that like I think it's actually for business going to be better because you have such a like not small but a very specific subset of people that you work with and like this landscape is going to completely change it but also widen it I think. Yeah, I I completely agree. And so it's definitely going to widen it, you know, expand expand upon different areas that we can work in, but yeah, I definitely started feeling it um like you know, right away in March and it was kind of um you know, like cut and dry. It's, you know, we, 
I feel like with styling, you know, you work on contract basis generally. And so normally like you aren't paid to not work. Like if you don't show up, if this job doesn't happen, you're not always like protected in that way. Mm -hmm. Um, Typically not. And so, you know, right away, like starting in March, it was just press isn't happening anymore. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So what did you do? Like what, how, what have you done, I guess? Um, so luckily I had a lot of other services and other, you know, projects that I wanted to work on. I didn't think I would be able to take time. You know, I kind of used it as like the first, like the first month I did, you know, self-imposed like artist retreat boot camp, right? Like redid the logo, redid the website, re kind of redid all of the foundational stuff that you're, you know, you're normally not taking time to update your website and rewrite out your values and mission statement and reimagine your services. And it's one thing to think about it. And it's another thing to actually articulate it and illustrate it and put it in a way that's marketable. And can I tell you something that's like not to be like super deep, but I think that like that is a parallel to what everyone is doing from every aspect of life. Like I think about the fact that I'm in my parents' house and it's like working on the foundation of my life, like literally like working from the foundation of my family, like everything that you may kind of like brush to the side or or rub under the rug or whatever the saying is, like things that you don't really pay attention to. And I genuinely feel like we're all going to come out stronger because of our foundation we're being forced to pay attention to. And like for you in business, like that makes total sense to me, you know? Yeah. You're being focused on, I think what, you know, I have been um, I was helping, I okay, I started guest lecturing at Iowa State, which is where I went to. They have a fashion program there. And which again, even just that is something I, you know, was asked to do that last year. I've been asked to do that for the last couple of years, haven't taken time and haven't taken the time to actually sit down and do that. And that's something that has been at the top of my list to figure out how to work in the community that raised me, you know, help help students that, you know, really focus on those type of relationships and foundational needs personally and within a business. And, you know, it really, of course, they're asking, asking for advice and asking all these things. And I think I really boiled it down with them to, or I really kind of like synthesized it to just be like, how can you add value, you know, and you need to constantly, constantly like rework and reimagine like what that means, you know, adding value to people, to businesses now means something different. And I think, you know, if you're, doesn't matter if you're applying for an internship or you're applying for a job or you're a CEO of a company, I think you're, you know, you are still answering, answering to people, answering to yourself or your boss. And it's like, how can I add value? Like that just completely 180'd. And especially as a stylist, like now adding value isn't going to showrooms and like picking out clothes anymore. And I already have my whole own (laughs) gripe with the way, you know, our relationship with PR and brands and kind of how that works. But it's definitely completely changed. So when you're reimagining your logo, mission statement, business, everything, where where are you right now? Like not to say that you have to be completely landed in one place, but like today, where where do you stand? Yeah. So I now am, of course, you know, when clients are wanting, you know, hopefully months, weeks, years down the road when clients are wanting, you know, in-person tr- kind of more traditional styling services, I'll still be happy to do that. 
but I'm really more so leaning into more like e-styling services and how to kind of work with brand digitally. And, um, and so really my, I'm like launching my e-styling services next week. And so that's something, just that whole process, um, of how, you know, of what that, like, what does that process look like? Right. And I think that right now there's a huge gap in the, in the industry and in the market for, you know, kind of with, with styling, I think, because I've tried even a bunch of the online services kind of in like market (laughs) for like market research and the ones that are like really kind of tech savvy, I think they're still lacking this like personal connection and personal touch and this relationship that so much of styling is about. It's about like knowing this person. It's like any other relationship. And the ones that are maybe a little bit more traditional or are trying to get into sustainability, they don't have as much of like the sophistication as more celebrity and VIP, you know, styling training or more in that space. And so I am really kind of marrying, you know, with my services, I'm really trying to marry those worlds of like having this sophistication and having, you know, a bit of tech integrated, but still really, really personal. And I like the way I have changed and the way I approach it is mine is values, like values are first, you know, so do you want female designers? Do you want sustainable brands? Do you want ethical brands? What's important to you? I love this. I love everything about this. So how does it work? Like someone, someone, and sorry that we're like jumping around because like obviously like, um, but how does it work? Like if a brand is hearing this podcast, like how do they get in contact with you and what does that process look like? Yeah. So it's, so it, um, it's kind of everything because it, or, you know, it starts, there's a couple different ways that we communicate and actually on, so it's on my site as services. And then there's a specific like styling email that, you know, you kind of email me and then you'll get a questionnaire. And so even part of the questionnaire is communication style, right? So that might be, are you wanting more video chats or are you wanting someone who texts you? Or are you wanting someone who emails you? You know, what's your timeline? And so I think a big a big part of that is the services are explained generally, but it's kind of that initial email, then you get the questionnaire, and then I kind of will send over packages or recommendations on kind of how we move forward. Um, yeah. I love that. It is genius. It's so smart. And I also think like when you're thinking of scaling, that is like this approach to me makes so much more sense for people that would be on your team eventually. And like First of all, in figuring out who to hire, because all of those morals and um, things that people are looking for, like the people that you want to attract as business are also the people that you want to attract as employees. And like being able to have kind of like a streamlined way of saying how we're going to be approaching e-styling makes just a lot of sense to me. Um, So I think that post-COVID, a lot of people are going to just be more mindful about everything, about how they buy groceries, about how they buy their clothing, about what they buy for their homes. And like, I think that obviously like the area that we focus on in both of our businesses, like that's the kind of people that we are around. But I think that this whole global situation is going to make it way more mainstream. And that that kind of like wealth of knowledge that you have and all those resources are going to be so needed. Because right now, a lot of people don't even know where to start. So I think that you're doing all the right things, honestly. (laughs) Yeah, I think just that increasing, 
the transparency, you know, is just increasing across the board, you know, food, beauty, we're, we're putting a lens on everything that we're consuming. And I really do think even, even the average consumer is ready to, you know, everyone knows they want to do better. And I think people are looking for solutions. I always equate it to, there's a website that I buy a lot of things called, called Thrive Market. And buy a lot of things, I mean, I most, I've only ever bought beauty and wine, (laughs) but um, for, I know specifically for wine on there, you can curate it really, really specifically. You can say, I want it to be recycled packaging. I want it to be a female winemaker. I want it to be local. I want it to be biodynamic or I want it to be sugar-free. You know, you can really, and of course I'm like, tick, tick, tick. Oh yeah. All the things. Great. You know, make it as amazing as it can be. But I know I wouldn't every time I buy wine or every time I buy beauty be able to really do all of that research. And so I am happy to enlist in services that are doing that research because that and that's actually a huge part of my styling business is I always ask the why. And that's something in what I also give to my clients is okay, these are my recommendations and this is why. This is why this brand is important. This is why they're doing this well. This is, you know, that's part of part of what you, the service you're enlisting in is kind of that research and that expert, not just like what's cute. Okay, if I'm going to have this little black dress, okay, there's millions. So right. one where I'm super proud of the money that I'm spending on that it's going somewhere that deserves it. Well, we're going to get more into what you actually do, but I want to take it back to little Cass. What were you, what were you like? Like, do you remember kind of like what your personality was like? I guess now that you're with your family, maybe like they've told you, like, just give us kind of like a little gist of what you were like when you were little, what were your interests and like, are they kind of trickled into what you're doing now? Yes. You know, it's, I, so the short answer is yes. Um, I definitely (laughs) think a lot of who you are as as an adult, <laughs> as you kind of are putting in more kind of self-work or reflection to, you start to see so many more through lines and themes of who you are in your life and kind of why you got where you are. Uh, and I'm definitely not an exception to that. I know <laughs> a ton of people, I feel like a ton of people that I look up to are, you know, they're like, I, I quit college and I, you know, went and, you know, there's always like, somehow quitting something or, you know, leaving something or I, you know, I didn't go to college or I didn't do all of these things. And I was such the opposite. I was, I was kind of, I was kind of a good girl. I did not like rocking the boat even when, even when I was a kid. And if you're into Enneagrams, I'm like an achiever to What number are you? It's either a two, I think it's a three. Oh my God. I'm a six. What is that? Well, yes. It's like, I mean, I, it's it, honestly like when I read about it, it annoys me because it's like so spot on. And I'm like, so that is on. me. But it's, like, <laughs> it's like things that are hard to recognize in yourself. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. like, oh, my God. Like, I mean, I can send you my whole Enneagram. And honestly, like it's such a six of me thing that I only know what sixes are. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I have no idea yeah. what threes are. I only know what nines are because my sister tells me what she is all the time. So is that enthusiast, maybe. Um, I don't know. Anyway, that's <laughs> that's amazing. But so you know, growing up, I was definitely an achiever. You know, I loved. I was like valedictorian. I was always in all of the sports. I loved school. I loved like kind of like doing, you know, kind of like doing the right thing, I guess, not yeah. like have my own, my own quips as a kid. Um, it's interesting because you're the youngest. I am the youngest. That's interesting. It is kind of, you know, birth order, I guess, is an interesting thing as well. Um, but I always wanted, so even in that, like I always did everything too young too. So my sister's eight years older than me and my brother's um, three years older than me. And so, you know, I was always like, you know, going to R-rated movies or like going to bars or, you know, always it was like I did everything way too young. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I think like by the time I kind of got to, you know, even or like high school or college, like I always had kind of already like done the thing. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, I do think growing up with an older older brother and an older sister um, I loved, I loved having that balance. And I think I'm definitely a mix of both of them for sure. Um, but yeah, so I, I definitely think growing up just kind of being, being more of this achiever complex, um, was definitely something that, something that I like grew up with, but it's interesting the way I reflect on it now kind of comes more from like a leadership perspective of in having, you know, employees or having being like manager of a different company and kind of now that I'm finally at this place where I'm having more leadership positions and leadership opportunities, it kind of comes from this place of like, you know, I never, I didn't always necessarily love to be like the center of attention. I didn't always necessarily speak up for myself, like a little bit more indecisive. I definitely had like confidence and was very loyal. Um, but just a little bit more coming from this place of like, I think when I was littler, I maybe felt like I got stepped on a little bit more. I just kind of always wanted to take like the higher road. And as I've gotten older, it's a little bit more of like a long game for me of figuring out, okay, how do you be true to yourself while still being assertive? And I think it kind of comes from a lot of these people, of course, especially women that I look up to, you know, they're super assertive or they're really you know, they really have this like powerful, this powerful stance, which I love. But I also think that, you know, leadership comes in a lot of different forms. And I think that different styles of leadership also deserve a platform and having different types of role models and kind of, you know, I definitely come from this, like, I love cultivating relationships. I feel like I've cultivated a community that I'm super proud of in growing up, you know, like I still have all of my Iowa friends. I have ton, you know, a lot of like my LA and New York friends. And I definitely bridge those worlds together by really having this like community focused and, you know, values based. I think that's just something that I grew up with. It's, some, it's who I was then. It's who I am now. <laughs> um, I think I'm basically the same person. And so I think, you know, even the reason that I put myself out there in a way right now is that I felt like there are kind of softer sides to leadership that I don't feel like are as, as shown or maybe as championed. Um, 
that like are what for example that are also like deserving of a platform you know like maybe not like you don't necessarily have to be like a bully to get what you want <laughs> or totally, totally. You no know, like you can also just kind of uh, you know take like take the higher road of being like you know whether it's been on sets or with clients you know styling is a very like it's a super intimate, super, super intimate job. And especially when you're just starting off and you're assisting, I mean, especially you're like, you're in people's houses, you're with them in closets, you're with them at weird hours, you're in hotels, they're changing, they have families, you know, it's a super, super intimate situation. And you really do have to build trust and be super professional. And I think part of the reason why I kept, I keep getting hired and why I got to work with the people that I did get to work with is because I was that type of person. Like I was this type of person that they could trust, that they could, you know, I don't like come in with an agenda. I just have a job that I get done. And sometimes it's okay to be kind of like put your head down. Mm-hmm. And you, I mean, it seems like that's been <laughs> your whole life. Totally. And, and, you know, now it is, it is a balance, right? Cause you, obviously you grow up and as you're a business owner, as you're female, as you're an entrepreneur, you're like, okay, but I have to be paid for this. And, you know, there are certain things that you do have to be assertive about, you know, you can't totally roll over, but I do, I do think that there are, you know, lots of different characteristics of leaders. And so I just like exploring like what that means. I love that. So I guess, how did your career kind of unfold? So you graduated and then what what were those first jobs? And did you think when you graduated that you had to have a few of these traditional jobs under your belt to understand like the intricacies of like billing and like how to understand how the actual business side of it worked before taking the leap to do it for yourself? You know, hindsight, I think it could have been beneficial to have had a full-time job actually at a company and learn more foundational skills that you just don't learn in college. But I also wouldn't change, you know, my path like for the world, right? Because like what your path is, is your path. Um, But that definitely is something as I, so I started my business three years ago and yeah, in April, 2017, And those are things that you quickly learn when you're self-employed and you're an entrepreneur is you actually spend maybe 10% of your time doing your actual, what you think you're going to be doing, right? Other than that, you're tracking down people to pay you. You are billing, you are web designing, you are accounting, you are administrative, you are doing all of the things. And then maybe 10% of the time you're styling or actually being creative or spending your time how you imagine you're spending your time, um, which is, which is interesting, but yeah. Like, I kind of just want to know how this whole thing unfolded for you. Like what, what were the kind of steps that got you to this point? And then also like within all of these steps, when did you start opening your eyes to the possibility of kind of making yourself be like the sustainable stylist? You know what I mean? Like when did you start kind of really owning that space and, and just like having more of a standard when it comes to, (laughs) yeah, like not, not even a, just like a standard of, of work, you know, I just, I love to, I would love to hear what that trajectory looked like. 
Absolutely. So, you know, after I so studied, you know, fashion, merchandising and design, had these internships at DVF and with a stylist. And then, you know, when I moved out to LA without a job and then the first stylist that I had interned for um, got me got me this like part-time job with a personal shopper, um, which was close, but, you know, not exactly what I was going for. So I only ended up working with her about six months until I got like a proper kind of red carpet styling assistant role. But so this personal shopper job was interesting. I was also just a personal assistant, which I think anyone, especially in LA, I feel like it's like a rite of passage to be Mm -hmm. someone's assistant, like to go like get someone's groceries and do the laundry and <laughs> really do like oh my true, God, yeah. true, true, true assistant work, you know, like go to their studio and like get, get paint for them, <laughs> you know, just really, yeah. really do assistant role stuff. But the shopping part of that was cool. You know, she actually, there's a lot of her business that I actually, a little bit that I've kind of, you know, have took little bits and pieces of everyone you've worked for. Right. So she, um, would style mostly like tech execs. So we would go up to like drive up to Palo Alto and dress a ton of like the Facebook execs at the time. And, you know, people, um, people who had a stylist, but maybe weren't necessarily talking about it, you know, people who were going to galas and events and just needed someone to handle having things, tailored and taken care of. And they would maybe do one or two big shopping hauls a year and then never think about it again. Um, So that was an interesting, an interesting space. There were definitely a couple of times where I was like driving car loads of clothes up to Palo Alto. And I was like, what? Especially coming (laughs) from Iowa and I'm like driving these through the mountains. I was like, what is my life? (laughs) So funny. What was your process of working for someone else and then slowly moving into working for yourself? Like how, how many clients did you need to have before you were able to fully say like, I am working for myself 100% of the time? Yep. And, you know, I think that the part of the challenging part about styling is that unlike many other jobs, there is no, typically there is no, I'm a junior stylist assistant and then I'm a senior stylist assistant and then I'm an associate stylist and then I'm a partner or there is no, there's no career path like that. It's like you assist someone that has a varying capacity and meaning, but you're an assistant. And then if you decide you want to be a stylist at some point, you cut the cord and you have to build your own business, you know? So there, I think that that is a really, a really hard space to be in because a style, you know, even if your stylist or old boss supports you, but it's your business, you know, so even if they're a cheerleader for you, you know, it's not, there's differences between bosses and mentors. And, you know, I think I've, I've had a combination of both, but I think that, you know, someone who's your old boss, it's not on them to, get clients and create this business for you, you know, that you have to like kind of want to do that. And it's this catch 22 of, okay, I can't, I have to leave 
in order to get clients and in order to build my own business, or if I want representation or an agent or, you know, um, management or something, but I also have to have styled enough people that they want to work. You need a portfolio. You need a portfolio, you know? So I think, you know, how did you do it? It's kind of in that space. And so I was lucky in that I could part-time start on my own while I was doing the travel work for Alaria. So really that travel work in the first year was got it, got it. helping support me while I was doing How are you finding portfolio. How are you finding your first portfolio clients without Ilaria? And I so a lot of the way the approach that I kind of took it cuz again you have to be obviously super careful with these relationships. So I had a couple um of like publicist and managers that I had worked for with Alaria who represent other clients, I would tell them or, you know, communicate with them that if they had new talent that I was open to styling them. Or so a lot of these kind of managers and publicists that manage or work with a ton of different talent, I maybe would style their like up and coming person or their new person. And they have known me for five years six years as being Alaria's assistant. And so they at least know I have some sort of an eye, some sort of a work ethic, you know, have at least XYZ set of skills um, to work with newer talent. So it was really like leaning on those managers and publicists to kind of get initial, get initial contact. And because I worked mostly in the red carpet space to kind of get to start working with brands was mostly um, me just like cold outreaching to brands or taking the time to kind of foster a relationship as I pulled with them for clients. And with, with, um, leaving Pivotal in my work with Melinda, you know, I wasn't able to rightfully so, you know, I'm not really able to talk about it. And so I think in a lot of ways, and so I think that I, was doing a lot of work of, okay, I just did this job. I'm super proud of it. And I can't, and I'm finally exemplifying my values in my work. And now I need ways to show people that this is what I do. And so I really started to work more on the brand side just in the last couple months. And so working with ethical brands, working with sustainable brands directly um, just to kind of get people to understand the type of clients and the type of brands that I want to work with. So I kind of had to go around, you know, without using like clients' names, sometimes I kind of had to go a roundabout way to exemplify um, the, t- the people and the brands that I want to work with. So I had to just be super intentional and specific about like who I'm, who I'm working with. Mm-hmm. I think just in general, you know, I approach sustainability as it's this encompassing idea that how do you consider the economics and the ethics and the environment and make the best choices you can? So if you are creating something in the world, you are adding something, you there are repercussions because you are physically creating something that didn't need to happen. So whether it's styling, whether it's designing, you know, you, there is no like perfectly sustainable 
model, right? So it's just like, how do you make make the best choices you can knowing that it's still, you know, it's still a business and there are still economics to consider in the environment and the ethics. How do you just you work with all of those to make the best decision? And I think that just has to be your North Star. Love it. Um, I mean, this is my favorite part of the whole podcast is like talking about what you find to be the active ingredient of what you do. And I think that you've touched on it with a few of your answers. So I kind of have an idea, but I would love to hear from you like on this question, what would you say is the deeper reason on what you're doing? Okay. I would say, so my deep reason is definitely I'm just super people oriented. You know, I think building communities and relationships that I value and that is what fills me up, right? Like I'm always looking to be not busy, but to be full. And I think that having, there's a lot I don't know about myself, but what I do know about myself is that that makes me feel feel full and feel like I'm in the right direction and confident when I have people around me that I believe in and care about and are like-minded and cultivating that community is constant. And I think that that's, that's just like a really, like a deep, you know, gut, stomach, like heart, mind, body feeling like when I'm connecting people like that, you know, I think I, and I'm always looking for unique ways to like collaborate and work with different types of people. And um, yeah, really like my, my community is like my, that's like what I value. Like having these people is like why I work. I love that answer. And I, I think that like the way that you're positioning your brand and like your approach to styling overall is just going to continue to attract that community and like people that are that have the same morals as you. And like there's really nothing more gratifying. And also just like for people that like maybe asleep to it and like that you're opening up people to also be a part of your community that may not have been even awake to that. You know, like how cool is that? Totally. I love absolutely. it. And I think just being a little bit more. Um, I think the biggest difference for me, just even in the last couple months is finally feeling like I've really curated this, you know, opinion in these goals. And I finally feel like I'm in a place where I'm okay being vulnerable because I'm like proud to share, you know, I finally feel like I have this position in the industry that deserves a platform. And so that makes me feel more confident in being vulnerable. And I think until I kind of had my footing in that space, I wasn't as active in sharing it because I didn't, I didn't have as much like vision and appreciation. And now I'm like, no, this needs to happen. So I'm okay. And I think that like that, like you, like, I feel like that's like, it's kind of like you have to do it. Like you can't hoard this information. Like we really, we actually need it. And like, we need it now more than ever. I'm telling you, everyone out of this is going to be searching for how to be better. And like, we, we need someone that knows, you know? So I think you are doing everything in the right way. And I, and I do commend you for not just like putting things out there for the sake of putting things out there and waiting till the time that felt right for you and not just doing it just for the sake of just doing it, you know? 
Yes. It's, yeah. I think especially in, you know, styling or fashion or entertainment, it's so easy to just, you know, share to share and share to be relevant and like, oh, I want to be a part of, you know, this campaign or influencer activations. Like I just want to be out there and I'm, I'm okay being out there, but I don't thrive off of that. So if I'm going to spend my energy, which I'm trying to be really precious about in sharing, it needs to be meaningful. And I need, it, you know, I need to be proud of it because just sharing like this t-shirt or this new beauty product, like just because it's Gucci, like that's not cool to me. You know, I just think that there's a lot of people doing that and I love that for them and I don't love that for me. <laughs> totally. That's good that you recognize that in yourself. Yeah. So the podcast is obviously to talk to people like you about your career journey and kind of get an insight into what the steps were that it took to get you to this place. But it's also really for the person who might be listening to this that is completely lost and like really has no idea where to even start, what questions to ask themselves, um, but really want to be working in their active ingredient and, and know or figure out what the steps are to get there. What advice would you give to someone that was like, I see you, I see you and you're working in what you love. What, what do I do? So I think, you know, really finding what is keeping you up at night, you know, what you are, what is like a burning, a burning desire and, you know, work off of something that is super true to yourself, because that's something that you will always, that can like always guide you. Right. I think it's really easy to get caught up in, sharing things because they're relevant or, you know, working, like trying to just be on this hamster wheel of existing versus just being true to yourself. And I think that if you really do that self-work into what community, what communities are important to you and what's worth sharing, you will definitely, you will definitely have a business that is lasting in this kind of long game. And I think you also have to be realistic. You know, like when I started a styling business three years ago, I was going down a path that was not, for lack of a better word, sustainable. And, um, you know, you really have to be real with yourself. Like what are the economics to running this business? And I have to, um, I have to find a way to make sure all of these things make sense, make sure that this is a business, this is a concept that's marketable, that there's a need for, that there's a niche for, like, it's not something that I just think is cool. Um, something that act, you can actually like build a business around. Um, yeah. yeah. Cause there's a difference between a hobby and something that you like doing on the side versus creating a career off of something. Um, yeah. So I think that's a really good distinction. Yeah. Love it. So I always close the podcast asking a lighter question on the active ingredient, which is what is your literal active ingredient, meaning like something that you have to drink, eat, consume, do um, every single day? Okay. My literal active ingredient would either be coffee Same. or yoga. Those are, both, those are both generally daily things for me. Amazing. What type of yoga? Um, I, well, I've been doing a lot of home yoga now. I've actually been getting into Melissa Woodhealth's yoga videos. Those are really like not easy, but easier flows to do at home that kind of integrate Pilates and other, you know, body weight exercises. So you can kind of do them anywhere. 
Um, and at generally at home or in LA, I do all types of yoga. You know, I do vinyasa. I love um, hot yoga. So all types, a little yin, everything. Awesome. Where can people find you on Instagram? And also like how can brands or people work with you? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm on Instagram, just at Cassandra. Which, by the way, we need to talk about how the hell you got the handle. I have an OG handle, and that's a secret. Oh, my God. <laughs> and um, my website is my name, just www.cassandradentmer.com. And that actually, on May 8th, relaunches, including all of the e-styling packages and everything on there. So that's exciting. Um and yeah, so my email and everything is on my website or on Instagram. I'm good with both. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. This was incredible. And I can't wait. I need this list of resources because I, I really do need to start. I need to stop going to like the Zara's boohoo's of the world. <laughs> I'm embarrassed to even say that I do, but I do. Okay. And I need to stop. I got you. I got you. Okay. <laughs> We're in this together. All right. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening. And if you can take two seconds of your time to rate and review us, it would really mean the world and help us out a ton. If you guys want more inspiration and quotes from the episode, you can check us out on Instagram at Active Ingredient. See you next week.